on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. And what's the first thing that doctors do when you walk in and say you were you have COVID or you're diagnosed with COVID? They give you Tylenol. That's the first thing they do. So the only thing naturally that you have to fight this thing, they stop. That's and crazy. then, yeah, they stop it in its tracks. And not only do they stop your fever from mounting, one dose of Tylenol depletes the stores of your glutathione levels. And remember, what's glutathione do? It's an immune modulator. It protects your immune system from going crazy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Swan. I'm so glad that you're here. Today's guest is Dr. Ben Lynch. He is the best-selling author of Dirty Genes. He's also the president of Seeking Health, which is a company that helps to educate both the public and health professionals on how to overcome genetic dysfunction. He received his doctorate in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University. Fun little side note, I actually almost went to Bastyr University. I was looking into it when I was trying to find the right fit for me when I was going back to school to get my master's in nutrition. I ultimately landed on a different school, more so just because I didn't want to have to move. And if I went to Bastyr, I would have had to move to Seattle. And I was looking for something that I could do online so that I could not pick up my whole life and move. Anyways, I was excited when I saw Dr. Lynch went to Bastier. So I want to give you guys a little heads up. I love to always give you guys a bit of a, a warning and a heads up when we talk about sensitive material. So Dr. Lynch and I dive into a lot of different stuff. Of course, we talk about his book and we talk about the role that genetics play in our health. It's really interesting. I'm sure some of the stuff you guys have never heard because I had never heard some of this. Um, but getting into the sensitive stuff, we were talking about, um, he gets censored a lot on Instagram shadow banned. He was deleted off of Twitter because he has been talking out about things that go against the current mainstream narrative. We went into great detail about this because I'm not sure that a lot of the general public is aware of this happening. A lot of experts, doctors, immunologists, urologists are getting deleted off of YouTube. They're getting uh, taken down from podcast platforms or being deleted from Twitter, deleted from Instagram, simply for asking questions, raising concerns, anything that goes against the mainstream narrative is being silenced right now. So we talk about Dr. Lynch's personal experience with that. And that's not the sensitive material. I kind of went down a little tangent, but we do dive into his thoughts on the vaccine. And we also talk a little bit about obesity just in the context that uh, the literature, if you look at the studies, show that people who carry extra weight do not fare as well when it comes to COVID. So we dive into that and just wanted to give everyone a little bit of a heads up because I know it's kind of a sensitive topic. But, you know, I always believe in being honest and telling the truth with you guys because I think that people who care don't lie to you. And I want to be honest with you about the science that's coming out, the studies that are coming out and linking uh, obesity to COVID. And with that, let's get to the episode with Dr. Ben Lynch. I hope you guys love it. Did you know that stress actually plays a huge component of your productivity? I recently had the founder of Magic Mind on my podcast, James, and he brought up such a great point that I've actually seen in my own life, but I had never really put two and two together that the more stressed out you are, the less focused and productive you're going to be because your brain's going to be scattered. Um, oftentimes with me personally, when I'm really stressed out, I become very complacent and avoidant. So I will avoid some emails and 
just not be fully on my game. And ironically enough, most of us reach for coffee when we want to be productive and we want to be on point. But coffee also raises cortisol levels and can really actually amplify your stress. I mean, I've personally seen this in my own life. If I have more than one cup of coffee, my heart is racing out of my chest. I can't focus because I'm so stressed out. My cortisol levels are so high. So there has to be a better way. And there is a better way. This is why I'm so excited that I found Magic Mind. So Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink that can either be taken alongside your morning coffee or your morning caffeine, or you can completely replace it if you want. What I'm doing, because I love my coffee so much, I love the ritual, I love the taste of it, so I've cut back on my coffee consumption, and then I drink a Magic Mind alongside it. Because there's so many components of Magic Mind, like the matcha and the adaptogens and the nootropics that really help with your cognitive function, and it really helps with my productivity and just turns my brain on. I get more work done now than when I was in college on Adderall. I'm just going to say it. I cannot speak highly enough of Magic Mind. I am such a fan of it. They also gave me a code to share with you guys. So if you want to try it, you can save 20% off when you use the code RealFoodology. Just go to magicmind.co, use code RealFoodology, and try Magic Mind today. I hope you love it. Let's dive into, first of all, I want to talk about Dirty Jeans, which I know is your amazing book that you wrote. I found you on Instagram probably around two years ago, and Uh, I just love following you. I love your voice. I love everything that you've been talking about in the health space about COVID and everything that's going on and also just in general about what it means to be truly healthy. And it's really, um, your voice is really needed in this space right now. So thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, uh, I sometimes get my hands slapped for doing it. Um, Not only from the, I don't even like to say powers that be because I don't want to give them more power than they think they have, but but, uh, you know, I get slapped from Instagram, already banned on Twitter. YouTube uh, centers me big time. And then uh, my own team tells me, Ben, you got to be careful, man. And it's like, you're right, but damn it already. <laughs> well, it's so frustrating because I can imagine, because I feel the same way. It's like you're coming from a place where you just want to help people. We just want to help people get better, you know, and we have the resources and the information to share with people that's not readily available to everyone. And so it's incredibly frustrating when you have this platform and these people that are listening, and then these platforms are trying to shut you down and not allow you to talk about the things that you, that you're an expert in. Yeah. And, and experience, you know, it's not only do I know about this information, but I've actually applied it to patients or have I played it, you know, I've applied it to, you know, friends of the family. I mean, I've been so busy um, helping folks with COVID um, that are just friends of family or friends of friends of family or just people DMing me on Instagram and please don't flood me even more, but I know you will, uh, you know, cause I, I can't publicly say what the treatments are, but I, I'll tell you, it starts with an I and ends with an N, yeah. um, you know, and it, it's really damn effective, but anyway. Oh, it's frustrating. Okay. Well, why don't you, let's talk about your book first. Why don't you tell everyone what is a dirty gene? What does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, well, let, let me step back uh, a, a few meters before I answer that question. Because when I was when I was starting to write my book, uh, my editors wanted me to call the book Seven Deadly Genes." Mm. I was like, you know, these genes are not very deadly. What I work, what I talk about, in fact, they're not deadly at all. I mean, I know deadly genes, and I'm not going to write about deadly genes because a lot of these people who are born with these deadly genes are either never born or they die quickly. 
So calling this book, the seven deadly genes is, is actually a major disservice. And, uh, I don't want to sell something based upon fear. Um, I, I want to actually empower people. And, um, they said, well, what do these genes actually do then to people? I said, well, they, they kind of mess up their system a little bit. If you don't know what they are, you know, if you don't know how these genes are functioning, it can kind of slow your performance down, slow your thinking down, reduce your ability to fall asleep, make you more irritable. And, uh, it just kind of messes things up. She goes, so it's kind of like dirty dirtying them. I was like, yeah. And I could hear my writer in the background. She goes, dirty jeans. And I was like, beautiful. That's it. That's it. Amazing. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, because something dirty, you can clean it up. Yeah. So, you know, the whole premise of dirty jeans is it, first to, to define that genes have jobs to do. We have about 18,000 genes in our human body and every one of these genes has a task. So, you know, if you walk into Amazon uh, headquarters, you're going to see thousands and thousands of employees doing some of the tasks are the same, but a lot of them are different. It's the same thing with our own human body. We have 18,000 different jobs going on and genes are tasked to do those. And if you have a pretty ineffective employee in that department, well, that department's going to start struggling and you're going to start getting symptoms earlier. And if you have someone who really kicks butt in that area, well, then you can probably work them a bit harder or grind them or, you know, give them extra work or work them on weekends and, you know, and not really wear, burn them out too much. So it's the same thing with your gene. So a dirty gene is simply a gene that has a particular job that is not functioning at its best. It's that simple. And is that because of mutations that they're not functioning at their best? It's a myriad of reasons. So Courtney, it can be, it can be a genetic variation. It could be a mutation that is very detrimental. Um, it could be an environmental exposure like chlorine or formaldehyde. Mm -hmm. So if you are walking down the aisles of Home Depot and you go through the pesticide or the fertilizer section and you're like, oh, wow, that smells. And then you get a headache. What just happened? You just got yourself some dirty jeans. Why? Because you just smell those chemicals. Your body couldn't process them. You're probably deficient in glutathione or calcium glucurate or something else where your high histamine, uh, high histamine increases chemical sensitivities. Um, so there's some dirty genes, which increase your susceptibility. Meanwhile, you're walking down the aisles with, you know, Joe or Mary next to you. They're like, God, quit your complaining. You know, you're such a wuss and they don't feel it at all. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. So for people listening, how, cause I imagine if I'm just being introduced to this notion of things, like how, how do we know kind of where, like, where do we start? Are there genetic testing that you can do to know which genes are affected? Um, should we be worried, for example, going down the Home Depot aisle and then getting exposed to something like that? Is it easily remediable? Yes. Um, so I would say that the, the best thing to start is, is it's not sexy. It's just the fundamentals. Um, it's all the things that you are, you know, know to do that you just don't want to do because they're, they're not fun. So it's eating well, sleeping well, um, and, you know, avoiding chemical exposures, having supportive relationships. I mean, it's, you know, this stuff, breathing fresh air, um, breathing exactly. through your nose, not your mouth, good family, um, you know, good family. Um, yeah. some families <laughs> toxic, um, just because their family doesn't mean you have to have a relationship with them. Ideally you do. Um, but, uh, you know, some people's families are really, really, really toxic. And that's unfortunate. Um, so, you know, I, I would say you got to do the fundamentals and dirty genes talks about those fundamentals. And the problem is if you run into genetic testing right away, you get stuck in minutia. 
And if you don't address the fundamentals before you start addressing the genetic variations, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to spend all this money uh, on genetic testing. You're going to spend all this money on supplementation because a lot of people think that they can fix their genetic variations with supplements, just swallowing a pill or meds. And that doesn't work. Um, most of the time, I would say 95, 98, 99% of the time, it's going to fail. Um, some might get lucky. Um, now, so if you, if you do genetic testing, I want you to say, okay, genetic testing should provide you a map and give you an understanding of what areas that you should focus on. So for example, I have the MTHFR genetic variation. And then you say, okay, what does that mean? Well, you need to first understand what the gene's job is. The job of MTHFR is to make, make the body's number one form of folate. And that's called methylfolate. Well, you can get methylfolate from leafy green vegetables. You can get it from liver. Do I eat leafy green vegetables or liver? Uh, I eat leafy greens, but I don't eat liver much. Okay. Check. Do I eat sufficient amounts? Yes. Okay. Um, and then what is the vitamin or the mineral that the MTHFR enzyme needs in order to function? It's riboflavin. If I don't get enough riboflavin, my MTHFR gene won't work either. So do I get a sufficient riboflavin? Yeah, I take a multivitamin or I take a B complex. Plus I eat foods that contain riboflavin, like, you know, some grains and, and so on. So you kind of do that fundamental stuff. And then you step backwards again and you say, okay, what dirties the amputee of our gene? Well, low thyroid function. So if you're hypothyroid, then your amputee of our enzyme won't work, work very well. And that's because the thyroid hormone supports the activation of riboflavin as the cofactor for MTHFR. So they, it's a team effort. If you're consuming a bunch of folic acid, that also dirties up the MTHFR enzyme. So you have to remove these things. So for example, again, Courtney, if you just look at genetic testing and says, I have this MTHFR genetic variation and I just need to supplement methylfolate, but you're already eating leafy greens, you consume liver periodically, you take your B-complex, you, you're not exposed to folic acid because you've read about that somewhere and your thyroid is functioning very well, what's going to happen? You're going to start getting headaches and migraines and irritability because you're taking too much methylfolate. It happens all the time. Interesting. So I guess I'm trying to understand what would be the first... Okay, so you're saying everyone should uh, first focus on the fundamentals. So kind of getting your health in order. Yep, the basics. But then where does this kind of come into play? Because I've had several friends who on their journey of trying to get better and trying to get to the, the root cause of things then went and got their MTFHR tested. And then they found out that that was a big issue for them and that they actually needed to be taking the methylated bees and that helped them a ton. And then also where does epigenetics come into play in this, where if you are doing certain things that are turning these on and off, or am I going down a totally different pathway right now? No, you're good. You're, you're on point. Um, so it's, um, let me give a story here. So I was at a buddy's house and he has MTHFR genetic variant. I would say it's, it's, uh, it slows his MTHFR enzyme down by about 20, 30%. And I have one that slows my MTHFR enzyme down by about 70, 80%. So it's pretty mm -hmm. significant. Um, I have a very high intolerance to alcohol. I don't drink very often because I just feel so poorly from it. Um, so my buddy was drinking alcohol and he was like, Ben, you know, what do you, what do you got to help uh, prevent uh, hangovers? I was like, well, you know, you can take this, you can take that and you can feel better. In fact, I actually was working on a hangover supplement, um, for, uh, there was some glutathione in there. Yeah. yeah. I ended up not making it because I found, I found research that showed 
if you are less likely to have hangovers, you are more likely to become an alcoholic. So then I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, sleep at night knowing that I could increase the rate of alcoholics. Yeah. Um, so I, I never made that supplement. Um, but my buddy, uh, when I was making the supplement, I was giving him the nutrients that I was putting, going to put in this formulation. I said, take these. And one of those was, was methylfolate. Mm. And, um, so he was taking it and he was like, and I saw him again, like a week or two later. And he goes, man, this is awesome. And I can drink more now. I was like, no. that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> and, uh, I said, you know, I want you to understand that alcohol is still a mitochondrial toxin. You're still destroying your system. You know, you're cleaning up the garbage, but you put a lot of garbage in. Yeah. I said, you know, I still would like you to, you know, cut back on the alcohol whenever you're ready to do that. I said, you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're still gaining weight. And, um, you know, good friends, you can have these conversations with. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so there was one day he, and I said, you know, when you cut back on the alcohol intake, you're going to want to cut back on the methylfolate. You're going to want to cut back on these other nutrients. Well, why would I do that? Because your genes don't have as much work to do anymore. Mm. Right. So why yeah. would you give your, your genes all these resources to function if they don't have to perform, they don't have to work. And then if you don't, if you keep giving them these resources, then they, your body has to do something with those resources and it will. So what happened is, is he didn't listen to me. One day he called me kind of in a panic. He's driving down the road and he goes, Ben, uh, the radio is off and I'm hearing the radio in my brain and it's scaring the hell out of me. And uh, yeah, and he goes, and I said, my first question was, did you reduce the amount of methylfolate you're taking? He goes, well, no, why would I do that? I was like, have you stopped alcohol? Yes. Okay. You stopped drinking. Yeah, completely. I'm done with it. So it's not the alcohol. So why have you stopped the methylfolate? No, it's taking the same amount. It's like, well, mm-hmm. stop taking that amount and take some niacin. And um, so he, he let me know like the next day or something, cause he didn't have niacin with him while driving and uh, yeah, the auditory hallucinations went away. So, you know, you, in the beginning, you know, you got people are doing genetic testing and they got a lifetime of garbage. They got a lifetime of, of stuff they didn't know about. They didn't know that about the liver and the, you know, the leafy greens and the B2 and the MTGFR and the thyroid and the folic acid. So they're working on all this stuff. And then they take the methylfolate supplement for the first time and wow, some lights turn on. They're like, holy crap. Uh, I had no idea that my brain could be this clear. And um, so that ties into something called the pulse method. And the mm-hmm. pulse method I discuss in the book as well near the end. And the pulse method basically is understanding that you take a, a supplement when you need to, and you stop when you're done with that issue. So for my friend, it was, he was drinking alcohol. He needed to support those genes. He stopped the alcohol. He stopped the supplementation. If you're exposed to pesticides and chemicals walking down the halls, uh, the aisles of Home Depot, you take some glutathione before you go you take maybe some histamine clearing stuff and you go and you can, you're fine. And then you stop taking those unless you're exposed to something else again. And the, the premise behind that is a supplement is defined as to add to or enhance. doesn't mean take every single day. Yeah. So your friends, you know, they're doing genetic testing. They're identifying some genetic variations. They find out they do maybe need some more nutrient therapies in, in, at times, but they keep taking them it's going to start causing issues. And the number one article read on mtgfar.net, which is a website I still need to update, um, but it's been around since 2011. The number one article is methylfolate side effects 
because people are taking too much. Oh, interesting. So I have so many questions. I'm trying to think of which direction I want to go next. I do want to make a note. So there was an interesting thing that you said. So when I had, I had a very small uh, stint with a copper IUD and it sent my copper levels up like crazy in my body, my serum copper levels. And so we were, my, in my uh, integrative doctor had me on zinc to level it out. And I think that's a perfect example of there was a time and place that I needed to like double the amount of zinc that I was taking to try to like balance that out. And then when I took out the IUD, I didn't continue on with that supplementing. But I didn't even, yeah, I never thought about it like that. Um, Also, I wanted to ask you something. So I, at one point, it was probably like four years ago, I was diagnosed by my integrative doctor with hemochromatosis, which I understand is also, it's a gene mutation. But what's really interesting is that then I saw another doctor last year that was a different doctor because my doctor moved. And she was looking at my blood work and I told her, I was like, look, I have hemochromatosis, just so you know. And she's looking at it and she's like, you don't have hemochromatosis. Is there a world in which I would have like turned that on and off? Or is that something that you were born with? Well, it depends on how, you know, and I, I don't have it at my fingertips right now, but hemochromatosis would probably be a combination of, of iron labs that would help identify this. If you just measure yeah. serum ferritin and it's elevated, your serum ferritin can be high for other reasons. It could be supplementation. It could be eating too much liver. It could be inflammation. Um, so if they're just making a, a judgment based merely upon one lab marker, that's a problem. You also also probably need to look at total iron binding content or capacity, um, you know, see if that's all plugged up as well. Um, no, you cannot, once you have a, a, a mutation, you cannot fix it. I have not seen that in the literature. Um, there are on the flip side though, you can get de novo mutations where that means new ones. So throughout life, you can get new mutations in your germline. Um, so that that is, is something I, I've kind of stayed away from because yeah. um, that's just a whole new ball of wax. Um, so if you do genetic testing, it's kind of a one-time deal. You know, you you're, you you don't have to do repeat it. Um, and uh, they're coming out now with epigenetic testing um, where they actually look at the tags uh, the methyl groups on specific genes, which tells the um, practitioner if the gene is functioning or not functioning. Um, mm-hmm. But that is a whole level uh, of difficulty. Uh, I looked at that at a couple of years ago and I, the market isn't even close to being ready for ordering epigenetic testing. Um, that's really, that's going to be super interesting when we can start doing that. So for people listening, can you explain a little bit what epigenetics is? So, you know, the light above me is on right now, and we can say that the, the light is the gene, but the switch um, is what turns it on and off, okay? And the switch is controlled, um, you know, not by me clapping like in the 80s, um, <laughs> but, you know, I physically go over there and turn it on. So there's some type of stimulus that initiates the gene to function. So just because we have the 18,000 genes in our body doesn't mean they're just all on all the time. That's a massive waste of resources. It's like, how many times do you get mad at your kids for leaving the refrigerator door open, you know, or you're not going to leave your car idling all night long. It's just stupid. Um, So the body is the same way. It's inherently trying to conserve energy. So the parasympathetic response in the human body, the calm uh, nervous system You've got a low heart rate, you have low respiratory rate, you have lower blood pressure, you know, you have reduced blood flow to your extremities. It's mostly in the core. 
Um, when you're stressed out, your heart rate is higher and so on. So you're using more resources. Um, so the body is going to be conserving a lot of these nutrients. Um, so epigenetics is the switch to tell the body, Hey, there's a job to do, go do it. And then when this, when the impulse is gone, then the signal has gone and then the gene calms down and curls up and goes to sleep again. So an example is melatonin. Melatonin is signaled from the, from darkness. So if I turned off all these lights and, um, you know, the computer and all the screens, I would start feeling sleepy. And that's because the melatonin levels are being signaled by darkness. The absence of light is going to signal my melatonin gene to start producing melatonin. And on the flip side in the morning, when the sun comes in through the window, not in Seattle, um, but in other places, when the sun comes in the window, that's signaling my body to, to release cortisol and to stop the melatonin. So that's, uh, that's epigenetics in a nutshell. It's basically turning the genes on and, and you're in control of that. Yeah. And can we explain to people how, for example, if you have a, maybe a, a genetic predisposition to, let's say, a certain type of cancer or some other sort of d- disease, we are now discovering that it doesn't necessarily mean that you are just destined to get that and you have no control over it. Yeah, 100%. And um, if, if you look at the, the genetics of cancers, and a lot of cancers are different. Um, so, but Across the board, generally speaking, um, you know, inclusive of all cancers, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from one to five percent of cancers are genetic. That's it. So the rest is epigenetic. If you look at rheumatoid arthritis, what's the gene for rheumatoid arthritis? Researchers have tried and tried to find the gene for rheumatoid arthritis. They've looked at over 150 um, genes over and over and over again and published multiple studies on these 150 genes and lots of research. And they're all, um, you know, implicated in rheumatoid to some degree or another. So it's, it's epigenetics. It's not one particular gene or, or three different genes like hemochromatosis. It's like one to three different genes, celiac disease. It's like one to three different genes. So, but rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, there's no genetic cause for it. There's increased genetic acceptability, especially if you have a combination of different genes so if you have, say, six or seven or eight genetic variations, which increase susceptibility to inflammation, reduce ability to clear infections, you know, and, and so on, then your risk for RA is going to go up. Interesting. So this might be kind of a silly question, but I've, I've wondered this for a while. Is there any sort of connection to people having, um, I don't know if it would be the right word, like a food aversions to maybe having some sort of genetic mutation where their body's just not absorbing it correctly, or it's not doing well with their body. Is there some sort of genetic com- component that could be happening there? Yeah. I mean, going back to my alcohol, um, you know, in college, a lot of my buddies were drinking alcohol and going to parties and, you know, I tried and I failed. And, um, you know, it's not like I didn't like the taste of alcohol. First I was poor and I couldn't afford it. Um, but if I would go to these frat parties or rowing parties and there was just alcohol for, you know, out and about, you know, I would try drinking, but I was just like, God, I always felt terrible. So why would you continue doing something that just makes you feel terrible? Um, and, uh, so I just stopped. And if you're eating a certain food and you feel terrible, then you're just going to make that decision. It was like, okay, well, I, I think I'm going to stop. You know, or it's like those Saturday Night Live skits where, you know, some guys, acts, you know, picks up a, a can of, uh, no, as a jug of, of milk and he takes a swig and is like, oh my God, that's foul. And the person sitting next to him is like, oh, let me try. 
you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, that is foul. Another person falls down the stairs. It's like, oh, that hurts. And it's like, oh, let me try. And they fall down the stairs, <laughs> you know? You know? So it's, it, you're going to naturally have food aversions and, and drink aversions and lifestyle aversions. You know, if, if you are, you know, even Theo, our youngest now, at a young age, we pull up to a gas station. He's like, I'm getting out. I'm getting out of the car. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the in the store and because he he's really averse to smell of gas. He can't handle it. And um, so you you just learn these things, and then he's like, okay, what genes are associated with gas detoxification? And um, so glucuronidation pathway and some other ones, but I need to and my wife, asphalt. Oh my god, you know, if somebody's pouring a new road, she's she's like immediately puts stuff over her nose. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I've never thought about it like that. So is there one specific test that you can take? Can you take, or are there are multiple different ones? Is there maybe a specific genetic test that you recommend people look into taking? Well, I mean, it depends on what you're depends going after. That. Yeah. So okay. if there's, there's a few different ones, there's like uh, metabolic testing. So drug metabolism, drug, you know, it's called pharmacokinetics. So mm-hmm. pharmacology study of, of drugs, pharmaceutical stuff, uh, and then okay. kinetics, the, the, the speed in which your body clears those. So if you go to a hospital and, and your the doctor is going to put you on some blood thinners, it's probably a good idea to look at pharmacokinetics of some of these blood thinners to make sure you're not going to bleed out. Or, you know, if you're not taking enough, maybe you don't metabolize or you metabolize it really fast, then you give you a lot more so you don't blood clot. Yeah. So hospitals are doing this more and more now. Um, so pharmacokinetics is one. Uh, also, a lot of people are looking at pharmacokinetics for treating depression and, and uh uh, anxiety and bipolar disease. And because if some people have certain genetics, they better not take certain SSRIs or SNRIs or what have you, because it can just blow up their brain. I mean, not literally, but they'll, yeah. <laughs> they'll feel horribly. Um, I'm all about optimization. So, um, optimization of health. And so if you've been going through your life, you know, generally uh, in tune with how you're feeling, and, you know, making adjustments, taking your supplements and eating right and exercising, but you're still struggling with stuff. You know, you still can't fall asleep at night or you're quick to irritability, or you've got, you know, your, your PMS is still firing up or your, your infertility is a problem for you, or, you know, recurrent miscarriages are happening. Um, that that's where you need to step in and get genetic testing of a different type. And that's what I call strategine. And strategine is a genetic test that I created and it, it stands for strategic genetic analysis. But I, I, I'm going to tell your listeners right now, it's, it's hard. It's difficult because what happens is you, is you get a map of your genes and it's, you get a map in a foreign language and you have to learn the language and then you have to interpret it. And then you have to make some decisions based upon the, on the map. We do have practitioners that help guide you as well. Um, but any genetic test that gives you the answers is doing you a major disservice because there's no way in hell any genetic testing company can give you the answers out of 18,000 different genes. And they only test maybe a hundred of them and they can't formulate you a magic supplement pill. So any genetic testing company that promises you, you know, here's a supplement for you that you will feel better. You know, they're not taking into account epigenetics. They're not taking account your current situation. They're not taking account your exposures or your family history. Um, and so that's, that's just not to me, that's just wrong. Um, I could do this, the, that very well with seeking health. I could be doing genetic testing and tell people to take these 10 supplements from seeking health and, and just sell a ton of supplements. But I just, I, I just know that it's the wrong thing to do because all they'd have to do is, for some people is just to do some lifestyle changes 
and not even take any supplements and they're good. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question, but I feel like you kind of answered it. I was going to say, so once they get the results, then what do they do next? So maybe find a really good practitioner that knows what they're talking about and kind of guide them into the next lifestyle changes. Yeah. And and you're reading the book, Dirty Genes. So when you order Strategy, we ship you a book uh, of Dirty Genes as well. So you're reading Dirty Genes after you send in your sample, because it can take four to six weeks to get your, your results back. And then we have in the education center on strategy.me, we have all these videos that you can watch. And then we have articles that you can read about how to interpret your report before you even come. So you have four to six weeks to learn, but I, I'll tell you, Courtney, most people don't do that. They just, they yeah. want to get the report back. They want to see which genetic variations they have and which supplement they need to take. Even though mm-hmm. I, I'm very clear um, that it's not how it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of just the approach that we've been taught in this country is like, everyone just wants a quick fix, a pill, yeah. you know, something just packaged up and ready to go for them. But unfortunately that's not really how health works. We have to work kind of hard for it. Yeah. I mean, I just saw, you know, I, I still can't believe it's real or not, but the Hawaii department of health. Oh, um, I saw that. Yeah. Right. So that, that, uh, it's just mind blowing. And I don't, I don't blame people for thinking they can swallow a pill to fix genetic variation or f- swallowing a pill to fix a certain condition, you know, medical condition. That is how we're taught. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, I really have to rein myself in and, and understand where the majority of people are. Um, cause it's not their fault thinking they can do that. They just can't, that's just wrong. Yeah, absolutely. For those listening that don't know what we're talking about, can, do you want to describe really fast what that ad was? Do you remember it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So the Hawaii uh, department of health. Um, so Hawaii is really, really pro-vax for COVID. I mean, uh, so is Washington state. So is California, New York, Chicago. I mean, all anyway, so, but Hawaii had this Instagram, uh, propaganda going out of trying to increase vaccinations. And so there was this mother, um, cartoon character thinking, um, looking up kind of in the sky, thinking about what she should do. Should she increase her healthy diet? And you can see the bubble being created healthy diet. And then there's an X. So no healthy diet. And then she thought about something else. So I should exercise more. No, you shouldn't exercise more. And then there was another one. I should spend more money. No, that should be X too. I thought that was a really weird one. That was really weird. It didn't even make sense. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is, yeah. What is that? Um, And then the, the, the last bubble was, get Kiki vaccinated. And she thought about it. And then she started smiling and Kiki in Hawaiian. I'm not a Hawaiian guy or, or no, but I think Kiki means children. Um, and, um, and so it's like, get your kid vaxxed. That's what you should do for COVID. You shouldn't worry about your diet. You shouldn't worry about, um, you know, movement or exercise, even though finally CNN after two and a half bloody years, um, announces that obesity is a risk factor for COVID according to new research. Yeah. Quote unquote, new research. Although that came out basically the beginning of COVID. I've been following that since the beginning and I know you have too. Oh yeah. Which is so infuriating, you know, and it's so, it goes back to this whole thing that, you know, everyone has been fighting me for two years saying like, we need to get a hold of this now, like eating healthy and taking your little supplements. It's not going to change anything. And I'm like, it's going to, it would change literally everything. If you got your health in order, <laughs> there was a, a post. I love reading comments from, from folks on my, my Instagram. I just love it. Uh, Facebook. Yeah. Some comments are great, but Instagram, they're just unreal. Um, and uh, this lady shares, she goes, so I've got this guy friend of mine and he's losing his hair like crazy. And I, and I keep telling him, I was like, you got to take some vitamins. And he goes, well, why does your hair need vitamins? Oh my God. I was <sighs> like, are you, are you for real? 
it's like your your it's hair not, just it just it just grows you know it just grows you have skin on your face because of your skin on your face and you know you have cognitive abilities and thinking and and you know just because you can but not because there's any nutrients that are needed for your brain to make neurotransmitters and you know have some ability to think wow yeah i know it's just incredibly frustrating and it comes back to what you just said a minute ago that I don't blame anyone for this thinking. It's really, um, it's a failure of our government for not taking the time to properly educate people on what it really truly means to be healthy and what we actually need for our brains to function, for our bodies to function optimally. And well, what it, yeah, what it really means to be healthy. It's not a failure of the government. They choose not to because of the lobbyists, which are controlling everything. And the primary lobbyist is what you see sponsoring all the media channels, which is big pharma. Yeah. This this country, the whole world now, because big pharma is so damn strong that everything is controlled by big pharma. This whole damn pandemic or whatever it is, it's it's just a line in the pockets of big pharma. It's that simple. Um, yeah. And there's other things involved too, which gets into more conspiracy stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I I just I'm really really saddened because you know you are busting your butt trying to help people. I'm busting my butt trying to help people. You know, and I get censored for it. You get censored for it. You know, meanwhile, people are dying needlessly. And then yeah. there's this, I, I, I like watching the news on YouTube periodically just to see some, some stuff. And ABC News um, was interviewing this uh, man who was in the hospital on a respirator saying he barely survived and he was pleading mm-hmm. everybody to get vaccinated. Never mind that he was grossly overweight. I mean, oh. big man. And he was telling everyone to go get vaccinated even though he is in the very, 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 very high risk category for being grossly overweight, you know? So yeah, he should get vaccinated and other grossly overweight people should get vaccinated. Hopefully they are protected, but telling someone like you or myself or your listeners who are healthy, you know, to go out and get vaccinated is a disservice. Yeah. Well, it's because we're, we're hiding certain, we're, we're not being honest with people about the relative risk involved. And we're not being honest with people about where the risk actually lies so that people can make a conscious decision on what is best for their health. Like you said, elderly, overweight people, fine. They probably do need to get vaccinated to be protected. But people like you and I or children, for example, if you're not in the overweight or obese category, the the science and data is there. You're just not as susceptible to it. And we also know a lot of early treatment protocols that are being completely silenced right now. The doctors are not allowed to talk about. And that's the whole thing. Everything that I've read is it for the most part, unless if you are in that category of very high risk, there's probably other interventions that need to be involved. But if you get it a hold of it within the first like five days and you get that early treatment protocol, and as long as you stay out of the hospital, chances are you're probably going to be fine. Stay out of the hospital is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. A really big one. And I've never, I've never seen a, a society so sick as right now, ever. And I cannot, um, I cannot fathom the speed in which Omicron is blasting through uh, Seattle right now. And it's, it's, they're all vaccinated. I mean, every one of them is vaccinated. And the only people that are not getting sick from what I see, they're not vaccinated. So, you know, I'm surrounded by people with Omicron right now surrounded. And this kid came over tonight and he was laughing and he goes, I think my dad um, actually has COVID and he is unvaccinated. So he might be uh, one who's got it. Um, But 
yeah, it's, it's unbelievable um, how many people are getting this and how many are vaccinated. And I, I think it's because it's the, the sheer amount of work that their immune system has to do to deal with the manufactured spike protein that their body is producing. This is not your usual vaccine because what happens is you're injected with that Pfizer mRNA or Moderna mRNA. Your body is, is replicating that mRNA and it's printing spike protein. And it's printing spike protein so the immune system sees it and develops an ability to fight it. But then your body keeps printing it. It keeps printing it, keeps printing it. So now your body is constantly fighting these spike proteins that were injected into you with that mRNA recipe book. And then the real virus comes. Mm. Well, you're so busy dealing with the spike proteins that you basically got from the vaccine because it's, it's just being replicated nonstop. And then you can't, you don't have the capacity to deal with the real virus. So again, it's, it's like we talked about earlier, it's your body has jobs to do. And if it's so busy working on one area, it can't do something else. So yeah. it's so busy dealing with the mRNA uh, spike protein that when the real virus comes through, it's just like, I'm sorry, I'm busy over here. Well, and I heard something really concerning and this was, um, I want to give the source cause I think it's a really important component of this. So I was listening to Robert Malone, who is um, one of the inventors of the MRNA tech that we're injecting everyone with just for context for everyone listening. And what he said is that when they developed these vaccines, they didn't know at the time that the spike protein is actually a very toxic part of the virus. Very. And then he said that there's also been all these conversations saying like, oh, well, you know, they made sure that it wasn't toxic, the spike protein that they were injecting. But he said when they made this, they didn't actually know that the spike protein was toxic part of the virus. So now we're injecting all these people with what we know to be the toxic part of the virus that is um, infecting all different parts of of the body. You know where it goes primarily? Do you know where the spike protein? Ovaries, right? Well, in the tissues with the highest levels of estrogen. Wow. And what areas are those? Ovaries, uterus, fat. Mm. So it's, um, it's scary. So I, I even wonder if obese people are being protected. I know. I, I, I really, I really don't know. I don't know. Okay, so I talk a lot about the reds and greens from Organifi and the gold, but I haven't shared with you guys about Glow yet. Glow is another one of their drink powders that I love. This one is for my vegan friends that are looking for natural collagen support that is plant-based. Also, you don't have to be vegan. I'm not vegan and I still drink it. But I do get a lot of questions from my vegan plant-based friends that do not want to consume collagen. So this is a great alternative. It has things like trumella mushroom, rosehip, aloe vera, bamboo silica, pomegranate, and just a bunch of fruits like lemon, raspberry, coconut water. It tastes amazing. It is full of antioxidants and it supports natural collagen growth. My favorite thing to do is to add it into just plain sparkling water to give it a little bit of flavor. I really like the flavor of this stuff. As always with Organifi, it is USDA organic and it's also glyphosate residue free, which is great because we do not want glyphosate that causes cancer in our body. That's a huge one for me. So if you want to try Organifi, make sure that you go to Organifi.com slash real foodology. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash real foodology. And also make sure that you use code Real Foodology and you're going to get 20% off. I hope you guys love it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the the scary thing to me, it, 
is that we just, there's a lot of unknowns. Like I try to stay really, um, I have the way that I have approached all of this is the way that I've approached health for as long as I can remember ever since I've been working in this field, which is I like to exercise everything with a bit of caution. And when there's something new and there's a lot of unknowns and there is a risk for there being a lot of unknowns in a horrible direction that could cause a lot of detriment, detrimental effects to your health. That's where I take a step back and I'm like, I don't know that I want to be participating in this right now because there's a lot of unknowns. And we, I mean, just think about in the last like year, how much stuff has come out, you know, let alone the last two years. And we've been so aggressive with just injecting everyone with it. And the science is constantly changing. And I, I just, all the unknowns really freak me out. Yeah. And, and let me share something with your audience, if I may, about, okay, you know, let's say you got the vaccine, right? You really believed in it. You're really excited about it. Um, and now you got it. And now you're thinking, oh, damn, what did I do? Um, or you're struggling with, with some adverse uh, issues with it. Um, I want to share with folks that I, you know, I don't know the answers here. I'm just thinking of, of some basic physiology. So, you know, this, the spike protein is, is going to be causing uh, inflammation. And so you, you want to do things that help mitigate that. And you want, there's things that can calm your immune system. So uh, immune modulators. So the biggest immune modulator in your, your body, there's actually two of them. Uh, vitamin D is a big one. And there's so much crap on the internet right now and in social media about how vitamin D is a hormone and how you shouldn't take it. It's, it's toxic. It's like, yeah, vitamin D is a hormone, but doesn't mean you shouldn't take it, especially in an areas with low vitamin D like Seattle. I mean, we have the lowest vitamin D um, in the nation, pretty much besides Alaska. Um, so vitamin D is anything is toxic. I mean, air is toxic. If you, I mean, look at ventilators, you go to a hospital, you put on a ventilator that kills people. So oxygen kills people. Um, so you, you need to get on some immune modulators. Um, and the biggest one is vitamin D. So check your vitamin D levels. And I'd also be looking at your glutathione levels. Um, if your glutathione levels are too low and testing glutathione is, is one of those things, which is, is expensive, kind of unnecessary. I just do it empirically. And, you know, you do liposomal glutathione or you can do S acetyl glutathione and, um, you know, liposome will help protect the glutathione. So it's good. If you're just taking reduced glutathione in a capsule, uh, that's pretty much garbage. So you want S acetyl glutathione in a capsule or, uh, liposomal glutathione. Um, those two things will, should, uh, help you quite a bit. Also long COVID, the same thing, uh, sauna, that would be something I also really, really recommend, uh, stay away from Tylenol, um, unless your fever is one Oh five and above if you're pregnant. Can you explain that. Sorry. Why stay away from Tylenol? You did a post on this recently and I was like, yes, I had never even thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, fever has been around, uh, nature for a long, long, long time. And, um, when COVID was just starting early on, I did, uh, IGT, IGTV post on fever and numerous ones actually. And, um, they actually did studies on, on, I think it was reptiles where, um, this doesn't make sense. It was on a reptile, but I think it was cause they prevented the body temperature going up. So they gave an infection to, uh, let's just say an animal and they, they prevented the fever from happening. Well, that animal died and the, the infection took over. They let the, uh, they gave an infection to an animal. They let the fever rise. The fever killed the infection. Animal lived. So it's it's pretty it's pretty basic stuff. I mean, our, our immune system increases, and certain uh, things will uh, trigger a fever, 
And it's very metabolically difficult and demanding for our bodies to mount a fever, by the way. It's very, very hard for the body to mount a fever. Um, so the body will mount a fever in an effort to kill the pathogen because heat will kill. That's why you cook your eggs. You know, that's why you cook your meat. You know, so you're cooking the virus, you're cooking the bacteria. And so if you're taking Tylenol, you're, you're eating a raw steak. If you want a steak that's well done and you don't want a bloody steak or you don't want runny eggs, well, don't take Tylenol, you know? So you've yeah. got to not take Tylenol. And, and what's the first thing that doctors do when you walk in and say you were, you have COVID or you're diagnosed with COVID, they give you Tylenol. That's the first thing they do. So the only thing naturally that you have to fight this thing, they stop. That's and crazy. then, yeah, they stop it in its tracks. And not only do they stop your fever from mounting, one dose of Tylenol depletes the stores of your glutathione levels. Mm-hmm. And remember what's glutathione do? It's an immune modulator. It protects your immune system from going crazy. And what does COVID do? It creates what's called a cytokine storm, which is when your immune system goes bonkers. So here you are, the hospitals, you're diagnosed with COVID. They give you Tylenol. So now you have no way to fight the fever. They, and you've wiped out your only protection for keeping from your immune system from going crazy. Mm. So it's a double hit. So Tylenol is really, really, really bad. Um, and uh, I'm trying to do research on pregnant women about what the fever should be. And it's, it's fortunately not very much out there. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable saying uh, 100 degree fever, uh, let that go. Anything higher than that, then you should start taking efforts to, to start lowering it. Um, and if you do end up taking Tylenol, then you need to supplement with glutathione. So I'm curious to know, and I'm sure people listening are also wondering, what if you get to a point where your fever is so high that it is kind of concerning? Would you say just maybe take like a cold bath or are there other things that you can do to kind of like help with the fever? Because there is a point, right, where you get so hot that it could be really concerning. Yeah. And so the first thing I'll say here is um, some people laughed and some people got all on my case because there was a, a, a woman who commented and said, you know, I've got a fever. I'm not taking Tylenol. My husband is screaming that t- for me to, you know, give him a Tylenol and I won't give it to him. And, uh, so I commented, tell him he's a wimp. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so it's like, Oh, you should take COVID seriously. And I was like, well, he should do and not take Tylenol. Um, so a lot of us take Tylenol because it's a comfort. And I think doctors give Tylenol because they, it reduces the phone calls to their clinic because it's discomfort and they, they get less, you know, bugged if they don't, it's like, oh, my fever is climbing versus, you know, I'll just take this and shut up, you know? Um, so if your fever is climbing, it gets to 104 and you're thinking it's going to get to 105, you, you definitely, you know, you strip down, get out of your clothes and you do not get into a cold bath. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of counterintuitive. You want to get into a, a lukewarm bath, hundred degrees Fahrenheit, 101, um, 100 is, is kind of what the research is saying, but you want to get into a lukewarm bath because if it's too cold, your body will react and respond and it can drive your fever up, um, to try to warm you up. And that's, that's not what you want. No. Um, so you want a hundred degree, um, bath. Um, and then there's also other things too, where people talk about sponge baths and vinegar, those, I don't know. Uh, some people swear by them. Um, but if you are really nervous about it and you don't have any resources, um, you don't want to deal with it, then yeah, you can try, um, you know, Tylenol if you really need to, but just take glutathione. Uh, yeah. alongside that. Um, 
Well, and that's, and I, I do want to say that's more of an extreme case because I, I think for the most part, most of the time when people get a fever, you know, it's like 101 and then they're immediately reaching for the Tylenol. So the point is, obviously, if there's extreme situation, you take extreme measures. But if it's more kind of just like you have a little bit of a fever, we've been so conditioned to just like pop a Tylenol immediately. And now we need to think twice about that. And I think that's really interesting. Like you said, our bodies literally have an equilibrium homeostasis that they like to stay in. And, and if we have a fever, it's because their our body is fighting off something. Yeah. And it's important not to get in the middle of that. And you have to feed a fever. So, you know, as I said before, it's very, very metabolically demanding in those. Um, so you've got to give yourself sufficient electrolytes. And if you're sweating, you need to add, make sure your electrolyte has sufficient sodium. If it doesn't add sodium. So I recommend optimal electrolyte from Seeking Health, but we don't have much sodium in there. So make sure you get the Himalayan uh, salt, you know, cave salt. I, I like it better than sea salt because of the plastics mm-hmm. uh, in sea salt. Mm-hmm. Um, so you add some more sodium in there. Um, and then you have to feed a fever because it's so metabolically demanding. A lot of parents will say, oh, I give Tylenol prophylactically to my kids because they get seizures. It's like, well, they get seizures because they're not nourished enough. You've got to give them the electrolytes. You've got to give them the glutathione. You've got to give them you know, broths and soups and you know, stay away from the, the popsicles and the sodas and the garbage when people are sick. I know you want to comfort your kid. But what you tell your kid is like, look, you're Superman or you're Superwoman, you're, you're, you're fighting these bugs. So good on you for mounting this massive uh, fever. I know it sucks. Put a cool uh, towel on their head and talk comfortably to them, put on a movie, distract them, um, you know, play some music that's calming, you know, whatever that, that helps. But, you know, we, we are so in tune to um, pacifying people and enabling them and, and calming them down. But sometimes we have to go through the pain to get on the other side. Well, you know, what's interesting. Have you seen, uh, the show dope sick? Oh my God. Yeah. So one for everyone listening, if you've not, if you've not seen that, you should watch it because it is, it basically shows you exactly what's going on right no, now. No, no, you're not sure you, you must, you must. Yeah. Well, and what I found interesting to what you just said, they were talking about how during that time when the opioids were first introduced to the market, there was this push by big pharma. And then of course, to the doctors and all their representatives that were talking to the doctors about pain management. And all of a sudden they they made this huge deal about pain. We don't want anyone to be in pain. God forbid someone's in a little bit of pain. And it goes back to what you were saying, where like we are in a little bit of discomfort and then we're throwing everything at it to try to just not be in pain anymore. But that's not life, you know, and unfortunately, we do have to go through some pain in order to get out on the other side and to allow our bodies to heal. Well, and step back and think, why am I in pain? Yeah. Versus just quenching it. So many people get headaches and they they pop, a, you know, an Advil or aspirin or a Tylenol or what have you, and they're just dehydrated. Yeah. I mean, there's parent after parent after parent after parent DMs me. My kids has chronic headaches. It's like they're dehydrated. The number one reason for headaches, especially in kids, is dehydration. And I would think close, close second nowadays. This is before you know you you and I were kids. We didn't have this issue, but screens, yeah. you know, blue lights and and screen time and and Wi-Fi and EMF is 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 uh, is not helping in those Bluetooth. Um, oh, yeah, the AirPods. AirPod thingies. My God. Yeah. Um, so that is a big, big one for headaches as well. Um, but dehydration is, is huge. So if your kid is struggling with recurrent headaches or you are struggling with recurrent headaches, 
hydrate yourself. And hydrate is not just drinking water, it's drinking water with electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're drinking filtered water, which you should be. So hopefully you are, you, you're going to have to put the minerals and the electrolytes back in. Yeah. I mean, cause potassium is the highest intracellular cation in our body followed by magnesium. And we are the human humans are women or 99% of women are deficient to potassium. And magnesium is across the board deficient as well. So mm-hmm. here we are, we're already across the board deficient in potassium and magnesium across the board. Um, so you got to put those in. Yeah. So you mentioned vitamin D. So I want to backtrack just a little bit because I have a question for you. This is a question that I've been getting a ton in my Instagram DMs lately, and I don't really know how to answer it because I live in sunny California. So I get a lot of questions from people saying, okay, you talk about getting sun exposure all the time, how important it is, how important to get vitamin D, but what do I do if I'm living in like Seattle, for example, where you live? And do you think that sun lamps are good or maybe the red light therapy? What do you tell people to do in order to help their vitamin D? Well, I don't know about the light therapies. I haven't tested mm-hmm. them. Um, the only light therapy that I know of is the company that I'm on the board of and heavily invested. Uh, that's Soleus, and they're not public yet. Um, we're working on a, a device that actually they've identified the exact wavelength of the sun that increases vitamin D um, without uh, the harmful rays. Um, and so it's, it's pretty phenomenal. In fact, the, the first person to, to buy this was the president of Arab Emirates, um, from his own home. And, um, so they're, they have a lot of, uh, machines that actually on order handhold handheld ones too. Um, so that, that one will be very impressive and we have testing to, to prove that it's efficacious, uh, efficacious. Um, I just do supplementation. I mean, I own a supplement company. That's what I use. It's what I know. Um, you know, if you, if you use these other lamps, I know Mercola, Mercola was selling one or is selling one. Um, you know, I don't think Mercola would be selling something that doesn't work. Um, yeah. I think the guy, you know, does a pretty good job. Um, and kudos to him for sticking his neck out for what he's done as well. Um, so I, I just do your research on that, but vitamin D supplementation, um, the 25 hydroxy is really easy to do. It's very, very cheap. Um, it's very fast. Um, you know, we have a vitamin D drops, it's 2000 units per drop. And you can just take, you know, depending on the time of year, you know, anywhere it's like five, 10 drops, you know, once a week and you're done. Um, or if you need to take a bolus dose, you can do that. Uh, research shows that 25,000 um, I use twice a week, um, is pretty good, but you don't really go any higher than that. Um, 50,000 once a week was okay. Um, there are cofactors involved with vitamin D. Um, you do have to convert it to the active form. There's cytochrome P450 enzymes that do that. Um, a lot of people say that if you're deficient in magnesium, all vitamin D deficiency is, is a magnesium deficiency. Uh, they're full of crap. Mm. Um, cytochrome P450 enzymes do not use magnesium as a cofactor at all. They use oxygen. Um, so in, in iron, so magnesium there is they're, they're just flat out wrong. So it's amazing the nonsense about vitamin D on, on social media now. It's just maddening. They're hurting so many people. Um, and I've, my team and I have done lots of research on vitamin D genetics and vitamin D metabolism and vitamin D epigenetics. And the bottom line is vitamin D is insanely complicated. Um, so, but supplementing with vitamin D is important. If you're obese, you need to take way more. If you're dark skin, you need to take more. There's a great app called D-Minder. 
um, that looks at your latitude and longitude, your latitude, uh, your skin color, your weight, your height, um, how much you're supplementing. And they tell you how much, how long you need to stay in the sun. My, my next vitamin D exposure is in like 90 days, um, here in Seattle. So we have nothing. Yeah. So you are relying solely on supplement supplementation right now. Well, in food, but D2, you know, the D2, the research is kind of conflicting. Um, They say D2 is fine, but then other research papers say, you know, D2 is, gets an interferes with D3 and is not as good. It's like folic acid. You know, some research says folic acid is just fine. Other research says that folic acid is not fine. You need folinic acid or methylfolate. So I think it's kind of the same thing with this synthetic D2 saying it's fine, but you know, maybe it's funded by milk lobbyists. I I don't have no idea. Um, but you want to get D3 and you can get that from, you know, fatty foods, I guess, um, in real life from your cows or your goats. Um, but I don't know how much, because what if they're vitamin D deficient too? Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Like, what if they're living in Seattle and they're not getting sun or in a barn? Yeah. Or in a barn. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm always on the hunt for healthy snacks that satisfy me and keep me full. Lately, I've been on a meat stick kick. Paleo Valley has the best meat sticks I've ever tried. Their flavors are insane. Um, Personally, I love the jalapeno and the summer sausage the most. They come in grass-fed beef or pasture-raised turkey, and they're perfect for on-the-go, traveling, or if you have kids, throw them in your kid's lunchbox. What I love the most about Paleo Valley is that their meat comes from animals who are allowed to live as nature intended. On organic grass pastures with plenty of sunshine, fresh air, room to exercise, and the result of raising animals in such a natural way is it's much healthier, clean protein with higher levels of vitamins, minerals, and omega-3s. But if meat sticks aren't your thing, they also have superfood bars that are made with bone broth protein. My favorite flavor is the chocolate chip. And they also have an organic super greens powder, bone broth protein that you can add to your smoothies, apple cider vinegar capsules, and a bunch of other supplements like turmeric, vitamin C, neurosupport, and they have a great grass-fed organ complex. So make sure to head over to paleovalley.com slash realfoodology to save 15% off your first order. You can also go to paleovalley.com slash realfoodology and enter the code realfoodology. And either way, you're going to save 15%. So again, that's paleovalley. It's P-A-L-E-O. V-A-L-L-E-Y dot com slash real foodology. Um, so what, okay. I have a couple more questions for you. If you're okay to, to go a little bit further, cause I'm just, I'm loving this conversation. So I get this question a lot as well, because I, I know you are obviously very into supplements. You have a supplement company, which is amazing. And I am a huge proponent for supplementing, but I'll get a lot of backlash from people saying like, Oh, why do you take that? It, you know, you pee everything out. Do supplements actually work? What is your, what do you say to people like that? Um, usually I say nothing. I just smile. Um, I've learned to just keep my mouth shut and, and, and have conversations when conversations are due and then they're proactive. Um, you know, some people just have their mind made up and they're just looking for a fight or they just, you know, they just, you know, want to argue or, or what have you. Um, so if if someone says, why would I want to take supplements? Um, and I define a supplement it's to add to or enhance. It's not, um, you know, let me give you a quick story on this one. Um, teenage boys, I got three of them now. Um, one's in college uh, as a freshman, and then I got another 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. The the oldest would be uh, eating like crap, and he'd get acne, and then he'd go to he basically go to 
Chick-fil-A, which I renamed Zitfilet. Um, <laughs> and uh, you go to Chick-fil-A and, and then you get zits. And then I, and I was like, I can't stand looking at zits on my kids. So I throw him a liver nutrient supplement. And then uh, he comes down and, and, you know, a couple of days later, I see him, his face is clear again. He's like, damn, dad, your supplements really work. I said, yeah. And then he goes to Zitfilet again and again and again. And he keeps taking the liver. And now he's compliant as hell taking these, this liver nutrients, right? He's taking it every day, like twice a day. But now he's got zits still. He's like, dad, your supplements aren't working. It's like, no, you're eating like crap and the supplement can't keep up. <laughs> so it, it's not, you can't eat like crap and just supplement your way out of it. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. You can't just take a vaccine and wear a mask and, and continue to eat Twinkies and Ho-Hos, yeah. um, and, you know, through your mask, you know, even though we see that every single day. Or your um, Krispy Kremes that you got yeah, with your Right. Vaccine. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, so a supplement is, is not to replace uh, a healthy diet. It's to support it. And there are moments, we're all human, and the book is called Dirty Genes, not Perfect Genes. I mean, I eat crap sometimes too. I don't eat zit filet, um, but I'll eat my Cadoba, I'll have my ice cream, and I'll have some chips, um, kettle chips I don't do well with, and maybe there's oxidized oils, who knows. Um, but I'll, I'll eat my junk food. And then I'll supplement for it. Um, and uh, so that's how I handle it. You know, I get on an airplane and I know that I'm going to be more exposed to, you know, people coughing and a bunch of crap in the air. Um, plus, I'm, you know, the humidity in airplanes is only like 25%. So I will hydrate with electrolytes because when you're in a very low humidity area like that, you're going to dehydrate. Um, and um, so that makes me feel really good. And I take glutathione and vitamin A and, um, prior to flying and I feel fantastic. So if you're in denial that supplements work, you know, I, I feel sorry for you because, you know, there's, there's a, there's a whole nother side where you can land. If you're flying, you can land feeling great instead of having that headache or, you know, you get exposed to something, you know, and then you're, you, you can't deal with it and you're dealing with a headache now for a week and a half. So supplements can really, really enhance the ability to support genes, dirty genes, and that's what the whole book of Dirty Genes is about. Because if you understand that the gene COMT, for example, clears your dopamine, your norepinephrine, helps get rid of some of the toxic estrogens. And if you have PMS and you're struggling and you learn that you have a slower COMT, and if you take mag more magnesium and, and support maybe with some SAMe as a cofactor um, right before the PMS usually hits you, and then the PMS never hits, you're like, oh my God. I don't have to be struggling with this anymore. This is beautiful. What did I just do? All you did was provide the, the nutrients that that enzyme needed to do in order to clear out the stuff which was causing your PMS in the first place. Yeah. And so, and that's what strategy does too. Strategy provides you a strategic map of how these genes are affected. And then it shows you what nutrients are needed, what shows you what lifestyle factors are needed um, or, or should be avoided and, and so on. So I think supplements are, well, I know supplements are phenomenal and I know they can be really, really effective. My wife, for example, was, we were landing and um, she started getting really bad headache. I mean, horrible headache. Mm. I was like, that's weird. And then the next flight we took off and she was like, got a horrible headache again. And then it went away when we're in the air and then we landed and started happening again. I was like, and then I started researching this, you know, altitude and headaches and so on. And I found some research that it was associated with histamine. So I said, Nadia, do you have any histamine block plus with us? And she goes, yeah, uh, my wife is crazy packer. Um, so she pulls out the histamine block plus and I said, take two. 
And um, so we were starting, we we're going to get ready to get land on our next flight. She never got the headache. So what she did was she metabolized the histamine. And if you do research on this, there's published papers where people will actually take antihistamines and they do not get the headaches associated with takeoff and landing. Um, but antihistamines only block histamine. They don't get rid of it. Histamine block plus actually gets rid of the histamine. So the supplements are amazing when you know how to use them. And yeah. yes, you will pee them out. You will pee out the excess, but that's a good thing. You, you don't want to hold on to something that's an excess because your body has to get rid of it. Peeing it out is actually a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like your body takes what it needs and then it gets rid of the rest. That's just a natural process. I mean, you poop, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, damn it. Well, I just wasted my steak. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get that back. That's a waste. That <laughs> <laughs> well, you can eat it again if you want. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Um <laughs> So on the subject of, of supplements, or I guess really kind of any lifestyle stuff, what do you do and take if you don't mind sharing when you feel like you're getting sick or even when you're sick and maybe in, in the context of COVID or it can be kind of overarching? Yeah, it's a, it's a general, um, it's pretty much a general across the board uh, protocol that I have, but I'll do COVID because there are some exceptions on this. And a lot of people want to know about COVID. Yeah. Um, so. I will, I first, my, when I get, when I would get sick or I first noticed I was getting sick, I would take a hundred thousand units of vitamin A and I would do it for three days and I would stop. A lot of people are like, Oh my God, that's a lot of vitamin. Well, it is a lot of vitamin A. You're right. But your immune system is ramping up like crazy and it needs those nutrients to ramp up. And if you don't have the nutrients to ramp up, your immune system does not ramp up. And then you get sicker and sicker and sicker and you're struggling for weeks instead of a day or two days. And so this protocol that I did of 100,000 units of vitamin A once a day for three days, 50,000 units of vitamin D for three days and stopping, uh, zinc uh, two to three times a day as is a lozenge. Um, and you put the lozenge in your mouth, you bite it once and you let it dissolve. You don't chew it, you don't swallow it, you let it dissolve. And it should be the last thing that you do um, after brushing your teeth at night because the zinc coats your whole mouth and your oral and your sinuses. Um, and that's part of the reason why it works is not just because you're increasing your zinc, but you're coating, um, the area and with vitamin A as well, you get the vitamin A and you kind of coat the whole mouth, uh, section uh, with the vitamin A. Um, and, um, and I would do electrolytes as well. And if I wasn't mounting a fever, I'd take a sauna immediately and I would create an artificial fever or take a hot bath if you don't have it. Um, and then I would bundle up and close and I get in bed and I would, um, uh, in my sweatpants and, uh, uh, I put a towel on my pillow and I would sweat. And then I would usually wake up the next day. And if I'm not well by then, I'm going to be well pretty much very soon after. Um, so you, the key is the moment you start feeling sick, you have to literally stop what you're doing. Stop. I mean, when, when Shakespeare came up with the term, catch a cold, that's what it's like, right? You're walking down the aisle in the store, you're sitting at your desk and you're like, Whoa, I just got hit. Yeah. And that's when you stop and you, you don't overanalyze. you like, you go downstairs, you take the A, you take the D, you take the zinc, but you got to take some food with the zinc. Otherwise you'll feel horrible. Um, you induce a fever if you don't have it. Um, and then you just lay down and you go to bed and you tell your boss, or if you're just a workaholic, you just, you, you got to stop because either you take that time out now, or you're taking out weeks instead of days. Um, now I don't take glutathione typically, mm -hmm. um, on these, uh, 
times because glutathione is a reactive oxygen species quencher. It gets rid of ox reactive oxygen species and your immune system is designed to increase reactive oxygen species. Mm. So if you take glutathione, then you are, you're reducing your abilities for your immune system to kill. And when people take vitamin C, they think that they're taking vitamin C as an antioxidant. Well, in low doses, yes. In high doses of vitamin C, it's actually a pro-oxidant. Mm. So when you're told to take vitamin C a few times a day, you are actually increasing oxidative species and supporting your immune system to kill. So you don't want to take antioxidants typically when you have a usual infection like a sore throat. Mm. Now, vitamin A is phenomenal for sore throat, so is zinc. COVID is a different beast. COVID, you do, you do take glutathione. You, you do not take vitamin A. Um, and you can take vitamin A if your vitamin D levels are good. When I first recommended vitamin A, um, when this whole thing started, um, people started getting headaches and worse. Mm. And then I was like, what the hell? What's going on? This doesn't make sense. And then I found out it was a cytokine storm type of reaction. And I was like, well, vitamin A promotes the immune system. And with COVID, you have to calm the immune system. It's an overreactive reaction, especially if you're obese or have these um, comorbidities. So be very careful with vitamin A uh, with COVID. Um, you can use some, but make sure you're using more vitamin D. Um, and then make sure the glutathione is on board and PQQ, uh, pyroquinolone quinone is a very potent antioxidant. And then melatonin is also very effective as an antioxidant in high amounts, like 20 milligrams. So that's more than most people are used to, but 20 milligrams of melatonin is great. And do not take Tylenol, induce a fever if you don't have it. A lot of people, when I did a story on Instagram and I asked that you typically get chills or fevers, most people said it was like 87% of people get chills. And that makes so much sense because so many people are depleted. Interesting. Yep. So you've got to nourish a fever. Okay. You starve a cold, nourish a fever. And what about quercetin? Because I know quercetin is a zinc ionifer. Is that a yes. good one too? Great point. Yes. That's another uh, COVID um, unique one. Um, it helps increase uh, zinc. Um, and then zinc, you want it in a lozenge form. And there's, there's people that talk about, you know, I was taking all these vitamins and stuff and they took a picture and they're all tablets. And you don't want to be taking supplements, generally speaking, if they're tablets, unless there are lozenges, chewables, or they are time released um, because they, they just don't dissolve. You don't, your stomach does not have teeth. Um, and a lot of these pills, if you, if you ever walk into a supplement manufacturing facility and you heard them, uh, the machines making tablets, it sounds like jackhammers. So they are consolidating massive amounts of nutrients and they're compressing it with heat and force into this tiny tablet. And you're expected to dissolve that in your stomach? No. So my company does not do tablets unless they are time release, sustained release, chewables, or lozenges. And uh, what about liposomal? Um, liposomal is fantastic. Um, and uh, there's some people who don't tolerate liposomal. So some people with gallbladder issues, um, fat intolerance, yeah. um, but liposomals are great because the liposome will um, help carry the nutrient into the cell membrane, um, which is where the virus will live. The viruses live inside your cells, hijacking the machinery. So if you deliver the glutathione in there and the vitamin C in there, um, or the curcumin in there, um, you know, then that's a, that's a great thing. Um, and quercetin is a very difficult, uh, compound to absorb as well. Um, 
So careful with that one. Well, not careful. You just have to take a lot. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I said careful. It's it's <laughs> it's quite safe. Um, but uh, but those are general recommendations. And hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Um, and uh, you know, if you feel off again, then get in the sauna. A lot of people say, well, what temperature of the sauna? Just do what you can tolerate, and don't be macho. Um, if you feel like you're done, get out. Um, it's not it's not a 15 minute timer. It's not a 30 minute timer. It's if you feel really tired and you feel like you're done, you get out and, um, you you just, you're just done. I mean, I, when I first took a sauna, I was in there for literally probably, I think 60 seconds, um, years ago. And I, that was all I could handle. Now I can be in there for a long time. Um, but, uh, it's a great point. Yeah. Don't, don't overdo it because that'll make you sick too. Yeah. So before we go, I think it's really important that, uh, we talk about this just for a second because I feel like a lot of people don't really understand that this is fully happening. The censoring on Instagram or across social media, all can you talk a little bit about your experience? Because I think a lot of people are still really in the dark about this happening. And it's important that people know what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I got banned on Twitter. I'll start there. And um, I'm I was hardly on Twitter anyway, because I don't I don't like the platform of Twitter just because I, I'm a pretty uh, verbose individual. Um, so 140 characters, whatever it is, which is not enough for me to get my point across. And you yeah. can hurt somebody in, in 140 characters if you weren't complete, um, especially in my field. Yeah. Um, but somebody, uh, there is a post that I didn't do. So po- somebody posted something about COVID and then somebody made a comment. It's like, what do you do for long COVID? And I just replied to them. Generically, I said sauna, comma, liposomal glutathione, comma, PQQ, melatonin, zinc, and possibly um, vitamin A. And um, that was all I said. That was it. And then um, I didn't link to my supplements. I didn't name my company. I mean, I, you know, I didn't give dosages. I mean, what I said was pretty much verbatim of what I wrote. And then Twitter sent me an email and said, delete your comment or you're banned. And I was like, I'm not deleting it. Screw you. That was yeah. medical you know, information, not advice, medical information to support all these millions of people who are struggling. You know, I did not you know, make a, a, a claim. I did not give dosages. I did not harm anyone. Nothing in there was dangerous. I did not promote my own business, nothing. And then here's another one. So I'm still banned on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I've been um, I've, numerous uh, post deleted, um, and centered one was early 2020. Uh, I think it was March, 2020 where, um, Oregon health sciences university, one of the top medical schools in the nation did research on vitamin D as reducing the risk of COVID. And I took a screenshot of the, uh, announcement, um, published by Oregon health sciences university. And I screenshotted it and I said, Oh, Look what's being published. This is great. And I didn't talk about anything else and they deleted it. And they said, We're, this, is, this is a warning. You're going to be um, deplatformed. This goes against community guidelines. I was like, wow, you guys are cursed. Um, and then um, a buddy of mine, Mike Mutzel, um, he's big on YouTube. He's got like half a million uh, subs. And um, he interviewed me last summer about genetic testing and stuff. And uh, he went to load my vid- our interview on YouTube and he was like, Ben, I load videos once or twice a day on my YouTube channel. I get no issues. I said, what's the title of your video? 
He goes, something, 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 Dr. Ben Lennon. I said, delete my name. He's like, what do you mean? I said, just delete my name. He deleted my name, loaded right up. Wow. And he's like, that's never happened. And um, then I get a text from, uh, it was like, I think it was like three months ago now or two months ago, I get a text from CNN, uh, a reporter saying that I'm on some list of the top 10 uh, anti-vaxxers and I'm like a center for organization of hate, um, something like that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this sounds like 1984. Um, and um, they said that I, I made a claim or a statement that um, COVID does not kill, the virus does. No, I said that the virus doesn't kill, um, your immune system does. And uh, they said that is, yeah. And then they deleted my post on that. Um, Instagram did, but I cited research and that statement, what that sentence was pulled from a research article because Mm -hmm. the virus is inanimate. It doesn't do anything. It's not even living. It's our immune response to the virus. If your immune response to the virus is healthy, then you, you eliminate the virus. You don't even kill the virus because it's not even living. Um, so anyway, they took it out of context, of course, and I didn't, I just ignored it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's real and it's extremely frustrating as a health professional when you have answers and they, they, they just keep pulling the rug out from underneath of you when you know, you can help millions of people. My early on, my videos, Courtney reached 11 million, 6 million, 7 million people on, on Facebook. And I help so many people. Um, and uh, people keep asking me, where's my COVID protocol? I can't post it. I'll be, I'll be deplatformed. And I thought I was deplatformed um, when I said that COVID isn't killing people. The hospitals are. Um, and uh, true. yeah, and, and nurses and doctors were commenting. I, I asked the nurses and doctors to comment on that. And um, because people were telling me um, there's this one person on uh, Facebook that said, oh, you're not even working in the hospitals. You have no idea what's going on. I say, oh, I know exactly. I said, I know, ex- I know what's going on. Hospitals are killing people because they're not giving them ivermectin. They're not giving them monoclonal antibodies. They're not giving them D. They're not giving them zinc. And they're, they're just giving them Tylenol, destroying the fever. And then they're sending them home to basically struggle. And then they send them, they come back to the hospital, they put them on ventilators. And, and ventilators is, is a very fast way to get high reactive oxygen species and kill people. And remdesivir, which is also causing kidney failure. And and I do, I want to make sure we point this out. This is not to say that nurses and doctors are not trying their best. I think also they definitely are. What What's happening is there's a combination of things happening. One, because we are not making early treatment protocols available to people, by the time people get to the hospital, sometimes they are so far gone. There is one, not a lot of stuff that we can do. And then the stuff that they should be doing, the hospitals are not allowing them to do it because the nurses and doctors are under strict protocols that for some reason we're still using after two years that we know are not right and do not work. And it's not their fault. Exactly. But what I will point fingers to for those doctors and nurses is you're not speaking up. Yeah, that is a problem. You know, I, I, I respect your position in the hospital. I know you're working your, your asses off, you know, trying to help these people, but you know, you're not helping them. So why aren't you getting on the streets and picketing? Why aren't you just screaming and, 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 you know, having an uproar about it? Yeah. I mean, God, I could not go to work every day knowing that what I'm doing is literally killing people. I know. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I just wonder, I feel like some of them, well, they have to know now. They've had enough COVID patients to know that it's not working, right? It's The amount of nurses I that I had scared. on this, this post, I, 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 I archived that post where I said it was murder because I had a, a few doctors and nurses saying, well, I'm not murdering people. I'm working my ass off. I said, look, I wrote that and you know, I was pissed off. It was a heat of a moment. It was a quick response to this person. And I ended up publishing it to just get input from other nurses and doctors. You know, yeah. it's not that I'm blaming nurses and doctors. I'm I'm no. actually blaming the hospitalists um, and the organizations and the powers that be. Um, but uh, I ended up taking it down. But uh, but what I, the when I did read the comments and I read comments a lot, uh, the nurses and doctors were fully on board. And they said remdesivir, wherever you say that thing, and the lack of early treatment is what's killing these patients, and the ventilators are killing them. Um, and, uh, and there's, there was a number of nurses in the ICU and in COVID units that were just say, I, I, I left, I just couldn't handle it anymore. Um, oh, so well, and, not to, and I've heard stories of people going in the hospital that had prescriptions to ivermectin. And then once they were in the hospital, they were not administering it to them anymore. And again, this goes to the hospital protocols because they, uh, they answer to the insurance companies and big pharma. And so they're trying to save their asses. And then the doctors and nurses are trying to keep their jobs. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy what's happening right now. Yeah. We, 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 as a society are thinking too short term, you have to be comfortable with losing your job. I agree. You have to be comfortable with losing your job because if you don't lose your job, you're going to be, you're going to be losing way more than that. Yeah. Um, so it's a short term pain. And yes, it's comfortable for me to say that because I own my own business, but I'm putting my own business at risk as well for speaking up as I am. Yeah. And um, you know, the thing is, if you lose your job, the likelihood of actually getting a better job is is pretty high. You typically yeah. get pay increases and you work somewhere where it's it's better. The culture is usually better and you're, you do something that you're more um, happy about. So, and yeah. a lot of people shared that. And I think there's a, there's a, company out there called the red balloon, um, dot something where, or, uh, where they actually look, um, there's companies who are hiring that don't force mandates. Mm. And, um, so I'll, I should email this to you so you can share it with your, your listeners. Yeah, I would love that. Email the email, the link, and we'll add it to the show notes. Well, I feel like, uh, so I went over all my questions. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you feel like is important for people to know? Um, uh, watch dope sick. Um, yes. the, the playbook is being used right now. Um, yep. Big pharma is taking over. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, and, uh, you know, just keep, keep standing firm. I know it's, this is really hard, uh, you know, but just keep, keep standing firm, keep going into stores where there's mandates to wear masks and don't wear the masks. Um, I don't, every time I go in the store, I don't wear the damn thing. Um, and, uh, it's usually just my wife and I not wearing it. And, um, but sometimes it spreads where other people will start taking it off as well. You know, I went into a store today, um, and they asked me to put it on. They replied about it. So I put it on, you know, I'm not going to create an uproar, but I'm trying to, um, you know, you know, just make a, a, a sign that is like, okay, I'm not just going to break through this, um, you know, with my tail between my legs. Um, and, uh, you're going to have people ridiculing you all the time or making fun of you or judging you. Just let that shit go. Um, excuse me for the S word, but just let it go. Um, just believe in yourself and your own decisions. If you believe in the vaccine, you know, great, 
you know, that's, that's, that's you. Um, just don't force that upon other people. And if you don't believe in the vaccine, that's you and that's great. Don't force that upon other people. You know, we, yeah. we should be, you know, doing what's right for ourselves and, and, uh, supporting each other and supporting the community and, and the government thrives when you and I are fighting each other and it, it that, uh, gives them, uh, more leeway. So, um, it's, and turn off the damn news. Um, you know, COVID doesn't exist. If you turn off the news, well, it does exist because now it's everywhere. The Omicron and the ineffective vaccines. Um, but the other thing is too, is, is laughter is the best medicine. Surround yourself with great people and, and still do things. Um, you know, I was able to still travel and fly and, and, um, you fly, you find places that don't mandate vaccines and, and, um, you know, just do the best you can. Yeah. I love that you brought the mask thing up. I just want to say really quickly, that's, I tell all my friends, I'm like, guys, we're done. Like stop wearing a mask when you go anywhere. And then obviously none of us are, are going to make a stink about it. You know, if someone asks us to put it on, but what I have found and what all my friends keep reporting back to me is that whenever they go places and they don't wear their mask now, everyone else looks around and then they use it. They see it as permission to take theirs off too. That's right. And if anyone is listening and they're like, no, we need the masks or whatever, all I have to say is, I mean, CNN is bullshit anyways, but CNN just admitted that the cloth masks don't work. So like at some point we just have to admit that we don't need those. How can they be when this is the sickest I've ever seen in the world? Yeah. And it's a respiratory illness. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, I've never seen so many people sick um, in my life right now. It's unreal. And you're a practitioner, so we should be listening to you. Yeah, it's it's frightening. And the microbiome of the planet, that scares me because we're just destroying so much of the planet with all these antiseptics and, um, you know, uh, sprays everywhere. And, you know, when I went to Mexico last spring, they sprayed me with some stuff before I went into the restaurant, like literally sprayed me head to toe. So... I mean, the microbiome of the planet is struggling. So if the microbiome of the planet is struggling, the amount of superbugs we're creating right now is off the charts. Know, that scares scary. me the most. Me too. Me too. And we don't even know where, where all that they're spraying. I've seen videos of them spraying down movie theaters and you know grocery stores before you go in. And just, I mean, I was on a plane one time and they sprayed us down with an incesticide while we were in the plane. I was like horrified. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so just... Just do your best and, and get a sauna. Um, you yeah. got to sweat. I mean, you got to, got to, got to sweat. It's very relaxing um, and it's very, very therapeutic. And if you don't have a sauna, just take a hot bath. If you don't have a hot bath, just wear a bunch of clothes and go <laughs> for a you know, walk uphill or walk backwards or what have you. Yeah. So I always like to end every episode asking everyone the same question. So what are your personal health non-negotiables? I know you have kids, you, you have a really busy schedule, but what are things that no matter how busy you are, you make sure you do these things for your own health to take care of yourself. I'm off vacation. Um, yeah. and that, that's, that's huge. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't open a clinic, um, a standard clinic because when I was a medical student and I was working with all these practitioners, I asked every single one of them how much time they got off. And they just kind of looked at me like I was, you know, from, uh, from Mars. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't remember the last time I took a vacation. Um, so you've got to take time out, um, no matter how crazy your life is. Um, so take a vacation and, and what about Bob, um, had a, a great statement in there. I quoted that uh, movie all the time when I was speaking at conferences, um, you know, take a vacation from your problems. Um, so just literally take a vacation. That's non-negotiable from me. And then when you take a vacation, it's a vacation. 
Um, it's not a, a work primary and then somewhere else. And meanwhile, your kids are waiting for to go sledding or skiing or go to the beach with you while you're on your phone. No, you, you get out there and you go do stuff. Um, and then you write, I learned this from Chris Kresser, is you write a, an autoresponder that says, I will not be checking this email. Consider it deleted, gone forever. Uh, if this is immediately urgent, these are the people that you should contact in, in the various departments and contact them. If it needs to get to me, resend it uh, on this date when I'm back because this email is deleted. In fact, it's gone. Thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. So you, that way you don't Boundaries. come home. Yeah. You can't come home to 10,000 emails um, oh. and, and answer those because that just doesn't make your vacation worth it. Yeah. Um, so that is a big one for me. Another non-negotiable. Um, I would say surrounding myself with good people and making sure that, uh, you know, my kids and my wife are happy and being respectful. I mean, being a father of three, it's a big responsibility, um, you know, cause I'm growing three boys that are going to take part of society. So having them be respectful and, um, is important. Um, but gratitude, you know, taking time to be grateful is really important as well. Um, breathing should be up there too, but my meditation, my yoga, my breathing exercises, my working out, you know, those, those are all need improvement for me. My wife is great with them. Um, I'm not. Um, so I would say vacation is non-negotiable being gratitude, you know, grateful is non-negotiable and, uh, yeah, just doing stuff that you love and making sure that you're moving in that direction if you aren't right now. Yeah. I love that so much. Well, let's end on that. And for everyone listening, where can they find you? Um, well, uh, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> for, for now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so possibly you can find me at DR Ben Lynch on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty vocal there um, until I'm not, but I'm pretty heavily censored as well. Still shadow band is very, very strong. Um, and uh, my book, Dirty Jeans, uh, you can find me in there. There's a lot of great information there. I highly recommend you read it a few times. And then my company, seekinghealth.com. Uh, is a great place where you can get some tools and resources for yourself and your family to optimize your lives and, you know, take care of your health. Amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation, Dr. Lynch. This was really great. I loved this conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you, Courtney. I look forward to the snippets to share on social and then, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing it with your audience. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resident media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first.